So now it's my pleasure to, uh, to invite up Brett Ferris, who is going to be our speaker today. He's the director uh, at Pregnancy Solutions. He's been a pastor for years. He's here with his wife and three kids. And uh, so I'm going to pray for him, but please take a minute and welcome him. Father, I pray that you would speak through Brett now, that you would uh, make your words known as he uh, delivers the message from Colossians 1. Pray that you would uh, give him the ability to just speak what you want us to hear today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Bob and uh, Pastor Mike, for this chance to come speak with you today. Uh, it is really great to be here and to worship with you. That worship, including the first hour, has just been so good for my soul um, I'm a firm believer that worship may not change your circumstances, but it will change your heart. And uh, so it's really good to worship with you today, and I'm glad to be here. Boy, much has changed since I've been here. Uh, the summer of 2019 was the last time I stood on this stage, and, you know, just kind of coming back and through Community Church of Portage Lakes. A lot's changed around here even. You guys added that beautiful new cafe, which is so nice and so welcoming and bright. And even since I was here last, I believe the auditorium has been changed a little bit with some new flooring, these new comfy chairs. Uh, and so it's really great to see the changes that have happened around here. Um, of course, I've gone some through changes with my family. I brought a picture of them. They are here as well. But uh, here's a picture of my family, my beautiful wife, Brianne. We have uh, three little girls. And since the last time I've been here, they've gotten older, obviously, and taller. And I now have a 10-year-old, Brielle. And Beatrice is now eight, and Brent is now six. And it is hard to believe it's been two years. Boy, time goes so fast. And I cannot believe that I'm going to have a fifth grader, a third grader, or a first grader. But my family's doing well, and uh, I, you know, I've turned 40. That was another change that happened for me, which you know what that brings. Uh, my hair color continues to change rapidly, which my kids always remind me about. Uh, but I welcome the gray. I do. I say bring the gray on. It's a crown of splendor. Uh, but obviously, we are doing well, and I hope you and your family are doing well. But you know, since the last time I was here, there's been some other changes that have taken place that haven't been as comfortable, haven't been as good. Uh, we just look at 2020, my goodness. Uh, we, hit, we went through a, a big change when it came to COVID-19, a global pandemic that we have not seen in over a century. I mean, think of all the changes that COVID-19 brought to our lives. I mean, maybe you sit here today and you've had a change because you lost a loved one, a family member, a friend from COVID-19. I lost a dear friend, uh, an 81-year-old friend. His name was Dwayne. He died of covid I'm still trying to adjust to the change with Dwayne not in my life. Dwayne was really like a, almost a spiritual father to me. He kind of came along and he would drive down and meet with me and talk about the Bible and challenge me on the Bible and pray with me. And boy, I miss, I miss Dwayne. And if you lost a loved one, I, I am so sorry. It's a change that's just really hard. You think of the lockdowns, my goodness. You guys experienced as a church. The change that came with that, some businesses have been lost from the lockdown. The civil unrest that took place throughout all of last summer and still is going on to this day, changes in that. It's truly been a continuous of change, and even with the last fall, a hostile election season that brought with it a change in a presidential administration. There's no doubt 2020 and even 2021 so far has been ushering in a windfall of changes that haven't always been good change. 
And if you're like me, maybe you're wrestling with how to deal with these changes as a Christian in your individual life, maybe as a family, even collectively as a church. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with change? I'm not talking about the positive, comfortable change that puts a smile on your face. You know, maybe a, a change of a job or a new house or a new neighborhood or a new van or you know, pretty soon we're going to be celebrating the kids being done with school, so that's a good change because we don't have to pull them out of bed like grizzly bears in the morning and, and fight for them to go to school. That's, that's going to be a good change. Maybe you're like that as well as a parent. I'm not talking about the good changes that make you smile and make you feel good. I'm talking about the changes that are really, really difficult, the changes that make you feel like you got hit in the chest, changes that kind of take your breath away. Changes that make you scratch your head because they're uncomfortable. You're like, how, how, what is going on here? These are the changes I, I, I'm talking about today. You know, and if I'm honest with you, dealing with those types of changes, the uncomfortable ones, the ones we don't want to take place in our lives, I struggle. I moan, I groan, I complain, I fuss, I throw temper tantrums because it is difficult to know how to walk through these changes that are all around us. And as a Christian who is pro-abundant life for all people, I look out into the landscape of our culture, into our country, and I wrestle with how do I navigate these changes that are taking place around us with many of these changes that almost appear anti-Christian, anti-life. Well, today I want to encourage you with God's word and give you some guidance on how the Lord has been teaching me on how to walk through these changes and help you get a different perspective on change if you need one coming into today. You know, for me, to, the challenge with these changes, these really, really difficult changes, it, um, it, it's, it's the challenge is feeling like, I'm losing control. I mean, just look back at 2020 and all the events that came with it. Felt like at times you're like a roller coaster on it. You're going down the track and it just feels like the, you're going to fly off the track at any moment. Especially when the murder hornets came into the conversation. Anybody with me on that? It's like I almost nailed the door shut and just stayed in because it was like, good grief. Do you feel like your life is out of control right now? Can you identify with these feelings of everything around us seems to be unraveling, of everything we've been used to? Like life how we used to know it just feels different now. 2020 taught me and 2021 is doing a pretty good job that yes, these things are out of my control, but what if Jesus still has them under his control. You know, my kids and I, we just try to study the Bible with them, and it's so fun talking to them about the Bible. And we were kind of going through uh, Colossians a little bit. And there's a beauty about teaching your kids the Bible. I mean, not only is it just precious moments, but you really got to try to simplify things down to where they can understand it. And I love the questions that they ask. But we were going, to going through Colossians, and I was even in my own study, and there's a, a part in first uh, chapter of, of Colossians that I've read before, but it just really struck me as I'm wrestling with a few of these things. And I wanted to invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 if you have it, or open your phone, and we'll see if you can get there faster, whether it's the phone people that have it on or the people with the book. But Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to be in for a, mo a little bit. And um, 
There's so much good stuff within Colossians, so much good stuff. But I'm just going to kind of focus on a few verses on the first chapter um, as we cont- continue to consider this idea of navigating change that is all around us. So if you're there, uh, first, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to start on verse 15. He. Now he is referring to Jesus. You get that up in the, at the beginning of chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, Jesus, in him, all things hold together. Wow. Man, that is so great. And again, there's so much we can unpack with Colossians. I just can't do it. So I encourage you this week to take 10 minutes and read the book of Colossians. It's four chapters, a couple pages. There is so much good stuff in here. But did you catch that? He. This is Jesus. Paul's referring to Jesus. He. And I love how Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the visible image of of the invisible God. He, Jesus, created everything we see in heaven, the outermost parts of the universe, and things on earth, all of it, visible and invisible. You want to know what God's like? Look to Jesus. He is the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the one with all the rights from the Father. And my favorite part of this chapter, these few verses, is verse 17 where it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Man, you need to ponder that this week. Think about that. In Jesus, all things hold together. So you know that feeling that many of us have right now? of everything seems to be falling apart, unraveling around us, that feeling, do you know that Jesus is still holding it together? But I hear your question. Brett, how do you know that? How do you know that, Brett? Well, consider this. First, he holds the universe together. He is the creator of everything visible and invisible in heaven. Paul's referring to the outermost parts of the universe and on earth. I want to share with you something I came across as I was kind of researching the universe. You know, my dad loved the universe. Oh, man, if you wanted to get him talking, he would get so excited about the universe. He'd watch those Nova specials and all that kind of stuff. And he's been in heaven for four years, so I can't imagine the things he has seen and potentially heard. But when you think about the universe, it is, it is incredible. It is unbelievable. And I came across this thing that I was able to do on my phone. So I did a screen capture, and I wanted you to see it today because it helps you see the magnitude, the size of the universe. So I'm going to pull it up here, and hopefully it works. But here it is. So you can get it at like Neil Fun or Neil.Fun, something like that. I should have put the link. But uh, the size of shape, universe, size of space. Google that and it'll probably come up. But I'm going to start it. It's about a minute long, okay? It's going to start with an astronaut. It's going to show you the size comparison 
from an astronaut. It's going to walk you through the discovered parts that they know of, of the universe. Are you ready? So here we go. So it's, imagine me swiping, or you'd have to swipe. So first is the astronaut. It's going to go to some man-made <coughs> man things like the space station and all this stuff. But hold on tight. You're going to start to see some asteroids, things I don't even know. I can't even pronounce some of these names. There's another asteroid. You've got some dwarf planets. I love some of the names, too. Europa. Didn't know about that. You got the moon. There's Mercury. Mars. Sirius B, not the radio, but Sirius B. Venus. Oh, there's Earth. Okay, now here comes another thing. There's an Earth-like uh, exoplanet. There's Neptune, Uranus, Saturn. This is in our universe. Now get ready. Here comes a big thing we know about the sun. But it doesn't stop there. Sirius A, maybe a friend of Sirius B, I'm not sure. Pollux, a red giant star. Sagittarius A. These are discovered parts that scientists have had from our universe. Pistol star. Something French, maybe, I'm not sure. There's a black hole. I don't know what that is, a black hole, but it's out there. There's a supermassive black hole. There's ton 68. Cat's Eye Nebula, my favorite. We love cats. There's a ring nebula. Butterfly nebula, sounds so pretty. This is the size of the universe. Look at There's a galaxy. Tarantula nebula galaxy. Bernard's galaxy. Fireworks. I saw some fireworks last night, me and my family. Milky Way galaxy, that's where we live. It's cartwheel galaxy. This is all in the universe. There's a galaxy supercluster. I don't know what that is. There's, another, there's a supercluster galaxy. Huge. Now look at this. Look how this guy ends this. This quote from Carl Sagan. Somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. Well, let me tell you, Mr. Carl, who this something, some, somewhere, let me tell you who this is. His name is Jesus. That's who is waiting to be known. And if Jesus can hold all of that together, what makes you doubt he isn't holding us together in the midst of so much change that's happening all around us? But not only does he hold the universe together, he holds life together. You see, Jesus is the creator, sustainer, giver, author of life. And that life starts in the womb. When I doubt Jesus' power to hold all of my chaos, all the chaos around me, if, if holding the universe doesn't give me confidence in his ability, then consider how he creates life. Here are some pictures of a developing baby. I just wanted to show you that pool. We, we use some of these even in the center. And these are incredible. You can get these at EH. D.org. This is a four-week-old little baby inside of a mother's womb. Now in this four-week picture, all is there. You got, you got number eight, there's the heart. The heart's really close to the face, the beginning of development, which is kind of crazy. But you got the heart, chest wall, there's the eye at four. You may not be able to see it. 
You got the midbrain. This is at four weeks, probably before a woman even knows she's pregnant. This is going on. Let's, let's go a few more here. Here's seven weeks. Look at the little hand. This is about a, a half of an inch. At the beginning of a development of a baby. Liver's there, thank goodness, the heart. You got a facial profile. Begin, left hand is right there. You can see a little thumb. Seven. Oh my goodness, this is, this is great. Nine weeks. Look at that hand. The chin, lips, the forehead. Right now, the baby's about an inch and a half. At nine weeks, got 11 weeks here. Again, the chin, look at, look at the nostrils, look at those lips. 11 weeks, he's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Three months, what's going on? You got, good, goodness, you got the forehead, the nose, the mouth, left eye, left shoulder. Look at the development of this baby. You got six months. Got the cheek, look at that little eyeball. It's open. Number four. You see, at Pregnancy Solutions, we see how a positive pregnancy test can take parents and make them feel so out of control that they abort their baby to regain some semblance of control back in their lives and erase the change that was signaled by a positive pregnancy test. And to think that we have laws that allow the killing of innocent babies like that in our country, with more progressive legislation coming down our way that would make even full-term abortions even more accessible and affordable. It's something that I will not stand for. And I don't like. It's sad. But our work at Pregnancy Solution continues with your partnership. I'm so, so grateful for Pregnancy Solutions. We celebrate 25 years of ministry Started in 1996. Thank you. 25 years of ministry, and I'm so grateful for Community Church of Portage Lakes, for Pastor Mike, who serves on our board, provides so much passion and guidance to this ministry, but all of you who continue to support us through your giving, through your prayers. This year alone, even though our numbers are down, because it's a change we're trying to work through with COVID, We've still have been able to save 20 babies from abortion. Women and men who have come in seeking an abortion of their child, and by the grace of God, through our services, have decided to choose life and to carry their child. And we're trying to expand our ministry through our mobile ministry, hiring a mobile manager, trying to be, make our mobile as effective as possible. So we go out five days a week and we're looking at locations and where can we go and our center remains open. We have a Parent Path program that tries to equip parents to be able to parent their child healthy and happy and provide a Christian worldview of nutrition and uh, parenting and career, how to get a job and keep a job. And we have a Mommy and Me program, which is trying to be more of a mentorship. So the ministry is going well, but our work continues. We have to continue to work together. And I believe God is holding together our country from experiencing a deeper, more harsher degree of his wrath because we are standing in the gap for life. And I thank all of you who support and partner with us in this work. So what can we do? What can we do 
with the chaos, the change that we feel isn't exactly what we want. What can you and I do? Well, there are two things that are helping me that I want to share with you. And the first is we need to change our prayers. So turn with me just a page, probably in your Bible or scroll or whatever, to chapter 4. Paul ends his letter so well. And I want us to look at it as we begin to wrap up here. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. I'm reading from the ESV, so yours may be a little different, but it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, for God may open the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on, on account of which I am in prison. Paul's in prison at this time for standing up for Jesus, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I like how the Amplified Version says this. Let me just read it to you and just listen to how the Amplified Version says this. Same verse. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life. Woo. With an attitude of thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us, too, that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word, to proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear and speak boldly and unfold the mystery in the way I should. So as I said, I, I did a little study with my girls, and there's just, again, something about spending time with your kids around the Bible. If you haven't done it yet, I just encourage you to start where you can with your grandkids, or even here with the children's ministry. Such a great opportunity. You know, God teaches me so much during this time because I just treasure those moments with them. To, have their, to hear their questions, to, to spend time with them, to give them knowledge, to love them. And sometimes I just think, is this what God feels like with us? Like, is our Heavenly Father and we, His children, to spend time with Him? This is what prayer is it's an invitation from Him to spend time with Him, for you to talk to Him. I love hearing my kids talk to me. I love when they ask me for things. Even if it's, you know, a toy they know they won't get, they still ask. Dad, can I have this? No. They ask again, Dad, you sure I can't? No, you can't have it. What a beautiful picture of prayer. They still ask. And you know what? Sometimes it works. It's fine. Get it. Just don't tell your mother. <laughs> they know how to work me. God, you can't work God, but you can spend time with him. So when change starts to happen, it's an invitation from him to change how you're relating to him and to pray. Prayer is never on the top of my to-do list. I confess, church, I, 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 I like to get things done. I, I, I have ADD in some ways. I, it's hard for me to focus sometimes. But prayer is beautiful, and I'm learning I got to do this better. So my kids and I, we've, we've done like a little list, and we're kind of praying as a family. We've identified 30 people or so to end the month of May. And we pray for a family member or a friend each night. It's so beautiful because this is what Paul says to do. Be devoted. Be persistent. Connect people to prayer. And we're doing that. So I encourage you, if you do not have a prayer list of any kind, start one. Now's the time. And you get to see the effects of prayer, actually. Uh, it, uh, Philippians 4, you don't have to turn there, but Paul makes it very clear. In verse 6, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything. There you go, church. 
You nervous about what's going on? The country, the culture? You, are you nervous? Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, I mean, you're not going to be able to figure this out because you're going to feel it. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you want that? That peace from God that guards your heart, your mind, in Christ? Well, that comes through prayer. You pray, you get that. That's what God promises. You pray to him in faith, you will get the, his peace that will guard your heart and your mind. So we need to change how we pray. And secondly, change your conversations. So we're going to change how we pray and all this change. So let me back up. All this change that's uncomfortable and we don't want is an invitation to change how you pray and change how you, you talk to people. Verse 5 of Colossians chapter 4, Paul writes this, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of this time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So Paul is writing to Christians in Colossae, and the impression that Paul gives is these Christians in Colossae are putting themselves around outsiders, unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus. They are around people who don't know Jesus. And if I'm honest, I look at our country, and it makes me concerned that as Christians, we have insulated ourselves too much from the unbelieving world. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. You see, we haven't preserved much of our culture in some ways. Julie Slatter, I encourage you to come next week. Oh my gosh, she is amazing. She is tackling the, the issues of sexuality in a way the church has not. I'm so grateful for Pastor Mike and Julie for stepping in this gap and raising the, the flag, saying we have got to talk about this because the culture is not shy on issues of sexuality. We have got to see that Jesus has called us to be a salt to preserve. So there is no greater time to initiate conversations with people who think differently than you, people who don't believe the same things as you do, people who may not look like you, People don't believe in Jesus. There is no greater time than right now. And this is a challenge for me. You know, this past year I felt it was a center. I just wanted to try to reach out to men in the community. Dads in the center or just potential dads or dads in the community. So I came out of basketball retirement. The last time I played basketball was 2013. I said, okay, I'm going I'm to get out of retirement. I'm going to start an open gym. Call Pastor Mike. Talk to Bob. Say, hey, can I use your guys' gym, please? And they said, Absolutely. So on March 8th, we started. I had two guys come. Praise God. Would you believe over like two months, I've had probably over 40, 45 guys come through this open gym, many from the city, inner city. And on average, I had between like 16 to 20 guys every single week. And it's been amazing for me to get to know these guys, their names, their nicknames, spend time with them. Many of them don't know Jesus. So I've tried to begin to pray with them after, before we start, give a word of encouragement. Some of them were asking me for ride homes. Some like an Uber now, which I love. You can't beat drive time. 
You cannot be drive time with some of these guys. To hear their heart, what they're going through, their family, you just can't beat it. I'm so grateful to God. I'm trying to do what Paul's doing here. Put yourself around with some outsiders. Even yesterday, I was at Harbor Freight. I love Harbor Freight. Can't, can't get enough. That and Ace. You might find me there five times a week. I just love walking around. God, you know, come on. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's where it's at. Gives me some peace. But I was looking at planers, and uh, this wonderful gentleman came up to me. He's probably like 77 years old, and has a Coast Guard hat. He's like, you want to get the blades on the, on the bottom? I'm like, really? You know, we strike up a conversation on planer, this tool, and then switch to the country. What's going on? So we, you know, huffed and puffed a little bit. But, you know, I said, you know, time to season with salt here a little bit. I'm going I'm to season this. I said, you know what, sir? That's why I have to have a hope, a faith, a trust, and a sovereign God. That no matter what's going on around me, I trust in him. I said, I'm speaking at Community Church Porters Lakes tomorrow. Please come. 9, 9, 11 o'clock. I don't, I don't think he wasn't there for a service. If, if my, my new friend's here, can't wait to see you. I hope he came. But we've got to season this with salt. Paul is so creative. He writes, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. I asked the girls when we were studying, so I'm like, girls, what, what are you salt for? Boom, all three hands. Makes things taste better. Bah. You mean to tell me the people in this country, our culture, are not craving something more nourishing, fulfilling, hopeful, inspiring than what the culture's given them? People, people, people are, are, are dead on the inside. And we have an opportunity to offer this as salt to make their lives taste better. This year, our theme at Pregnancy Solutions is Speak Up. We're having our banquet in October, celebrate 25 years. That's the image on the right. And then July 15th, to all my young people in the room, July 15th, I'm hosting a new event. It's a Thursday night. I invited Autumn Lindsay, who's this well-known speaker in our country. She's 20 years old. She's being so bold when it comes to the issue of life and abortion, standing up, speaking out. She does these viral videos. She's going to come and speak. We're going to have it at Community Church of Porter's Lakes. This event is for those between 16 and 30 trying to get the younger people inspired, equipped to be able to speak up. So I invite you to sign up. You guys got first dibs, lifeforsummit.com. Hit the events. Just open registration on Friday, so please come. But church, we, we have to speak up. Not only for babies, but for life. I mean, imagine if Christians, the American church, took seriously the gospel and believed its message. And these, this, I'm challenging myself with this. That it can save the sinner, provide hope to the hopeless, and reconcile the divided. What could happen? What could happen to this country, this world, that is rapidly unraveling? What could happen if we believed this gospel and offered it to people? What could change? I leave you with a quote that's on my uh, wallpaper. I forgot to put it up, but I ran across this quote a few months ago and all, you know, everything's just going nuts. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what's happening? It's by Herbert Sloshberg. I think I pronounced his name right. Um, not even really sure who the guy is, but I heard the quote from somebody else and I wrote it down. Here's the quote. 
The kingdom of God advances from triumph to triumph, disguised as disasters. Man, that's good. That is so good. The kingdom of God advances from triumph to triumph, disguised as disasters. It's easy to get discouraged right now. The, the tone with Christians, because I hear it, I try to talk to people, is one of, it's over, let's pack it up. Jesus, come back. I'm done. Get me out of here. Where's my rocket ship? I'm gone. It's kind of like the whole thing Paul wrestles with in first, or Philippians chapter 1. I'd rather die and be with him. But he says, for your sake, I'll stay. You see, I think Christianity, we're, we're rattled, man. We are rattled with what's going on. But I'm here to remind you, no, 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 no. He holds all things together. The worst day of Christianity in the history of Christianity, which I know it started in Acts, but work with me here. The worst day was when Jesus was crucified. Over, everyone thought. Done. Disciples went back, started fishing. It's the worst day. Three days later, it turned out to be the greatest day when Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, some, some, some discouragement going on. I get it. I get it. The kingdom of God is advancing. And we are a part of that. So my closing word is this. Jesus is alive. He's still on the throne. You can endure. I can endure. My family's going to be okay. The changes before us, or whatever else comes our way, 2021, who knows, right? Thank goodness. Who's, I think someone said it. You know, praise God we don't know everything's going to happen. But we can keep going. Because Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, the creator of all things, in heaven and on earth, he has it all held together. And now is our time to rise. I hope you're in Christ today. In him, when we put our faith in Jesus, we come in him. We are in Christ. He will hold you together. It's the beauty of it. In Jesus, we died our old self. We're born again, new person, new life, reborn. And now we are in him he has us. I hope that's you today. If it's not, maybe you're here today. You, praise God, you might be your first time and you want to know more about Jesus. What does this look like to have faith in him? I would, please talk to me or Pastor Bob or Joey or uh, you know, any of the worship team. This is so critical. But I leave you, church. Let's just be encouraged. Please continue to pray for our work at Pregnancy Solutions. And let's continue to endure these changes by changing how we pray, changing how we talk to people, and looking to Jesus who holds all, all things together. 
I want to pray, and as I'm praying, the band's going to come up and lead us in a final song. But I'm just going to pray out of Colossians chapter 1, beautiful part that Paul opens up. I want to pray this over the church, and then we can close in some, some, some worship. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word, how it provides hope. It is a lamp unto our feet when times are dark. We thank you for how it teaches us to live, how we can share it, and how it changes our hearts. I pray, Father, over this church today with the words of Paul. I pray that they would be filled with knowledge of your word and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they, myself, can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That we would be fully pleasing to you and we would bear fruit in every good work and that we would increase in the knowledge of God. I pray, Father, you would strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to you, Father, who qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. And I pray, Father, that we would realize that we've been delivered from the dominion of darkness and we've been transferred into the kingdom of your Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Fill us with encouragement, with power, through your word, through the Holy Spirit, and let us not grow weary in doing good. For, Lord, we know that at the time we will reap a harvest. So help us to endure. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.